We're, we're going through the book of Acts right now, and, and uh, Jason teed it up last week wonderfully well. And, um, and he was sharing, you know, this was the time of year when people came from all over the world to come back to Jerusalem for the feasts that were happening. It was important that they came. They had to come back to Jerusalem to the temple. And they're there, and in that time, Jesus fulfills being the Passover lamb. And he's the lamb that was slain. Of course, not everybody knows that yet, but we know that. And so Christ is crucified, fulfilling everything that was seen. But what we do know is that there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people that had come upon Jerusalem. So they're, they're bursting at the seams in the city. And normally what happens after the holidays are over, everybody goes home. Except for something very unique happened. Jesus rose from the dead. And the disciples are going around and they're working miracles. And so there's tens of thousands of people that have not left town. Um, To give you kind of a comparison, I was thinking about here in Junction City, we do a little thing called the Scandinavian Festival. You guys ever come to the Scandinavian Festival? Yeah, it's like all about the fun Scandinavian food and, you know, the hops and clops and the whatnot. And uh, we have 80,000 people that come into Junction City over those four days. Did you know that's 80,000 people that come through? That's a lot. Junction City proper only has like 6,015 people as its population. And if you throw in the surrounding areas, we're like 18,000. So 80,000 is a pretty big, pretty big jump for people that were here. Now imagine that all those people show up for Scandinavian Festival, but then after Scandinavian Festival shuts down, most of the people don't leave, or even half the people don't leave. We would be in a spot, you know, like I, we would definitely have the city council and the mayor and the chief of police and the different people would be getting together going, so what do we do here? Um, there's a lot of people camping in, in town now. Um, what, how do we respond to this? What are we supposed to expect? And by the way, a whole bunch of them actually believe that uh, somebody got raised from the dead and they're all following him and they're not leaving. So can you imagine what they're going through? This is a pretty big deal. And by the way, the political um, pressure that caused the people to kill Jesus in the first place is that if they are unruly and look like they might be having some kind of an insurrection, then Rome is going to come in and wipe everything out. So they have a very real reason to be afraid and to try to keep the peace. But unfortunately for them... The kingdom is on the move, and people are going around doing miracles. So that's, that's the backdrop of what's going on in Jerusalem as, as, we, as we take up the story, okay? So are you guys with me? That's what's happening in Jerusalem. And, and as, they're, as they're going along, then Peter and John, uh, in chapter 3 is where we're at. We're going to talk about three in, chapter 3 and chapter 4 in Acts. Peter and John are going together to the temple at the hour of prayer, about the ninth hour, and there was a lame man who had been lame from the time that he was born. And he's in his 40s. And as they're walking by on their way to the temple, they see this lame man, and he looks at them intently as though they're going to give him some money. And you guys, this is a famous one, right? Peter says, hey, silver and gold have I none, but that which I do have I give to you. Get up in the name of Jesus and walk. And the dude gets up and starts walking around. Now the thing you need to understand is this guy has been there in Jerusalem, lame, since he was a kid. So probably, most likely, the spot that he's in is the spot he's been in for probably 30 plus years, begging in that spot because he can't walk. So every day, if you were, if you were like, so let's just imagine I'm 45, and I look pretty good for it, don't I? Yeah. 
Imagine that I was born lame, and on your way to Christ Center for the last 30-plus years, you, as you come up the, the sidewalk, there I am sitting there, lame. Some of you feel like I'm, anyway. And, and I'm saying like, hey, how's it going? You know, hey, Jason, how's it going, man? Oh, going pretty good. And I'm looking at him like, dude, you, you got a fiver? And Jason's like, of course, brother, here's your fiver. And every Sunday, he's used to walking by, seeing me. And then, all of a sudden, you guys are out and about, and you look over, and somebody walks up to me, grabs me by the hand, picks me up. I stand up and just start walking around. After 30-something years, how cool would that be? That's what happened. So all the people are like, that's Joshua. Like, we all know Joshua. He's the lame dude with the bad jokes over by the church that used to be lame. Dude's never walked, and he's running around, still bad jokes, but he can walk now. So this is what happens. So people come, and they're like, what is going on? Now, the leaders are like, this is terrible. This same group of people, now they're healing people. What do we do? We got we to gotta stop this movement. We got to get these people out of here. We need peace. And we certainly don't need people believing that Jesus rose from the dead. We just killed that guy and solved that problem. And now, apparently, people are healing in his name. What do we do? So let's take up the story right there. So they go and arrest um, Peter and John. And, uh, and, and they begin to question them and ask them, how is it that you did this and what are you up to? And they say, don't look at us like we did something special. Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, did this. We didn't do it. Jesus did this. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside for the, uh, sorry, to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But, so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And so they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we, can't, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God. And with one accord, they said, Lord, get us out of Jerusalem. This is really hard. And they have all the political power. And all of the press is covering the same story. And they're in one accord. And everywhere we turn, and every single prompt on our phone says the same thing. Please, Lord. Deliver us from this political unrest and get us out of Jerusalem. That is not what happened. Hang on. So when they heard it, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. 
For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Let me pause for a minute there. Did you catch what they just said? Lord, your servant, they're speaking to God, Father, your servant who you anointed, Jesus Christ, Pontius Pilate and Herod and Israel and all the Gentiles killed him. But not only that, they say, they all gathered together, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. They're praying to the Father and they say, Father, you were in the middle of this thing. You were in the middle of this thing. You knew that Christ needed to die. You knew that he was going to die. And in fact, you allowed that to happen unto what? Now we know unto what? Unto our salvation. We're sitting here today because Jesus Christ did exactly what he did. He didn't run from Jerusalem. He didn't run from the fight. He didn't run from the pain. He didn't run from the political pressure. He didn't run from anything. He ran towards it, and he stayed there even unto death. And because he stayed there and because he fulfilled what the Father wanted, he was resurrected, and in it, we all were saved, and the hope of the world came. Come on. And it was unto and because of the will of God. Now, this is a say law for us because how many of you guys, when, uh, when you see trouble coming and you're going towards it, what do, you, what do most of us do? What's our normal inclination at that moment? Let's get away from the trouble, right? There's nothing, you can admit it, right? Oh, man, that looks bad. I'm going to just walk on the other side of the street. That's just, that's just perfectly normal. Here's the thing. We're not perfectly normal. We're followers of Christ. This is Christ in us. And so we actually don't run away from the trouble. We run to the trouble. Do you know Why? Because Jesus goes towards the trouble. We don't run away. We stay. Why? Because Jesus stays. And so you notice what they're doing here is they're praying and they continue. Verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Come on. You see, they understood that they were called to fulfill what Jesus himself had sent them to do, which is to go into Jerusalem, into Samaria, all of Judea, and into the world, and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And they know, and they knew, because Jesus told them, and these will be the signs and wonders that follow you. Now go, make disciples of all nations. So they're doing exactly what God called them to do. And when opposition came, they understood that God's desire was not that they should pray, Father in heaven, holy is your name, get me out of here. They, they knew that, that that wasn't what they were called to do. What they were called to do was to say, Jesus We need you to come on the scene. It's interesting because when Peter and John are walking together in the synagogue, which on their way to, I'm sorry, not in the synagogue, on their way to the temple, they heal this lame man. Why? Because they sensed Christ in them wanting to heal that young man. man. And so what did they do? They reached out and said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. And then the people looked at him like, oh my gosh, are you gods or something? And they go, why are you looking at us as though we're special? We didn't heal this man by our own power. Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, just raised him up. What had happened? Jesus came on the scene. 
You guys realize that we don't heal people. Jesus heals people. You realize that we don't save people. Jesus saves people. You realize that we don't change the world. Jesus changes the world. So our hope is not actually in our own ability. If we measure what we're going to do based on our ability and unction and, and, and boldness, there's very little that's going to get done. Amen? Aren't you glad that that's not actually what we have to do? That's not what we're called to do. What we're called to do is to be present and to ask Jesus to come on the scene where we are. What does that look like? It looks like instead of assuming that if you're going through a hard time, then God must not be in it, then you always assume, I'm going through a hard time and Jesus needs to be in it. If you're going through something, if you're facing opposition, it doesn't mean that you're supposed to leave. It means that you need Jesus to show up on the scene. See, nothing's changed. But, but dare I say that we live in kind of a completely, the messaging in the world we live in is very different, isn't it, than that. I mean, ultimately, the world that we live in is like, if it's hard, get out. If you're not happy, quit. If you don't like it, change. If that person is hard to be around, leave them. This is, we live in the culture of me. We live in a culture that calls for you to think about your own personal happiness and peace and well-being above all other things. And Jesus says, unless you lose your life for me, you will not save it. You have to, you actually have to give your life up in order to save it. We live in an upside-down kingdom. We don't run away from hard things. We stay in them. But we can't do it in our own strength. God has no expectation that we could do that. We invite Jesus on the scene. Why do you keep forgiving that person? Because Christ forgave me. Why do you continue to invest in that, in that place where things are so hard? Because Christ has called me to be there. I was, you guys will probably all identify with this. I was, uh, I was praying for one of my kids. <laughs> Actually, I've done this with both of my kids, but I was praying for one of my kids. And as I was praying for my kid, they're in a hard situation, and I'm just watching them, like, not thriving in that situation. And I'm like, Lord, get them out of that situation, you know, like, get those negative people away from them, and get them away from those negative people, and fix this thing, and, and, and change it. And basically, like, Lord, get my... Get my daughter out of Jerusalem. Things are rough. She's being threatened by enemies. Get her out of Jerusalem. And, 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 and so as I was reading a book, how many of you guys ever read somebody else's story and the Lord just starts speaking directly to you about it? Okay, so I'm reading a book and I'm reading this person's story and essentially what the Lord says to me is like, do you want your daughter to be a weak person? I'm like, what? <laughs> no. Okay, well... How have you become strong in your faith where you trust me and you are resilient and able to walk through things? How, how have you had Christ formed in you? How have you learned how to be resilient? How have you learned how to be patient and kind? And I'm like, well, to be honest, through the really hard things that I've been through. He's like, right. 
and I showed myself faithful, and I walked you through those hard things. And because of it, I'm formed in you in ways that you otherwise wouldn't have had me formed. You found me faithful in impossible and hard situations because you were in them. Not because I took you out, but because I walked with you through them. And you're going to pray that Christ is never formed in your daughter? You're going to pray that I take her out of the thing that will actually form Christ in her? Do you want her to be weak? Don't pray that I will remove her from the situation. Pray that I will redeem her in the situation. Ouch and amen, right? It's like, oh, sorry, Jesus. We're going to have a little of this. You see, our natural inclination is to seek to be removed from the situation, but our Lord Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus said, like, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. I send you out as sheep among wolves. I want you to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Jesus Christ defeated the enemy by literally dying at the hands of his enemies. And while he was being murdered by us, then he said, Lord, Please forgive Joshua Rivas. He doesn't know what he's doing. You see, we are sent into the midst of the situations. We are, we are planned into God's plan to be where we are right now. And we need to stop praying that he'll get us out of the situation. And we need to agree with God and say, Lord, I want you to redeem me. And I'm asking that you would redeem this situation. Now, I don't know if you'll redeem the situation, but I know you'll redeem me. And oftentimes, he redeems the situation too. Can you receive that? You think about this. I, I want to read these words again because they're so, they're so like counter pop culture right now. This is, this is just crazy. Verse 27 and 28 for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, Herod, Pontius Pilate, the, Gen the, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Did you catch this? It was the Father's will that Jesus would be crucified by the very people that he was seeking to redeem. And we join Jesus in his death and his resurrection. You and I are sent out to love people that don't love us and don't love God yet. You and I are sent into broken situations to be Christ in that situation. Not because we are Christ, but because he is in us. And I'll tell you guys, what the world needs is Jesus. So we need to stop praying, God, get me out of the situation, and we need to start praying, God, stretch out your hand, Lord Jesus. Come into the situation. Come on the scene and begin to heal and do signs and wonders. Now, I like miracles. How many of you guys like miracles? Super fun. Super fun. But I have noticed that we are super prejudiced about our miracles. You know the greatest miracle of all is when someone's born again. You can be healed in your body and still, at the, at the judgment day, reject God. 
Remember the ten lepers? They all got healed and only one came back and thanked the Lord. Miracles are wonderful. The greatest miracle is that we're born again. The greatest miracle is that we actually live eternal life. And where does that come from? That we're actually forgiven by God and believe that Jesus is who he says he is. How does that miracle happen? Because we're present and we boldly speak of what we've seen and heard in Christ. Are you guys with me? So we don't, we, 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 we've got to begin to recognize the amazing redemptive work that God wants us to do in every situation that we're in. And not pick and choose which ones we think are important and which ones we think aren't. It is by his determination that you are currently where you are. So you got to ask Jesus, Jesus, will you come on the scene and begin to move in this situation? Begin to redeem me in this situation. Begin to redeem this situation. Can you guys receive that? Give me boldness to stay and to speak of what I've seen and what I've heard. And that begins to give you some incredible hope. And of course, the Lord answers the prayer. It's wonderful. Stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. I know this. To the extent that I am not bold is always to the extent that I'm actually trying to do his job. Because I can't do signs and wonders. I can't heal. I can't even forgive. But you know who does forgive and does heal? Jesus. And when Jesus in me is forgiving you, then I simply agree with him. Lord, I agree with you. You have forgiven my brother. And so I forgive my brother. Jesus, you love this person in this situation and you want to redeem it. I don't actually care about it. But if you're here, then I ask that you would give me boldness to stay where you've put me and begin to love like you love and to redeem this situation. And so I don't pray, God, remove me from it. I pray, Lord, redeem it. Give me boldness to speak to this situation. Give me boldness to stay in this situation. Give me boldness to obey you. Not my own strength, not my own power. These guys were under no illusion that they had healed the lame guy. They were under no illusion that they could even speak the word of God. That's why they prayed and said, will you give us boldness by you coming on the scene? And then we'll speak very freely about the things that we see in here. And that's what we're called to do. Can you receive that? Now, you know the situation right now. Most likely, Holy Spirit was stirring it up right now, right? Some of you were like, well, I guess I better go home and shred my resignation letter. I guess I better go home and think about who it is that I need to forgive and stay in relationship with. I guess I better go home and begin to stop uh, seeing this as a situation to be taken out of, but rather to see that God wants to bring his kingdom into that situation. And he put me there to boldly speak about what I've seen and heard and to stay in the place that he's brought me. Amen? Why don't you stand up? I want to pray for you guys. And uh, 
and mostly pray for me. (laughs) Father, we are so honored that you choose us. I'm I'm so grateful for your forgiveness. I have sinned against you in the exact same way so many times that I can't even count it, Lord. And yet your mercies are new every morning. While I put you on the cross, you you prayed for me. You didn't create boundaries to keep me away. You pulled me close. You took my punishment. And you married me. Thank you. So Lord, as we stand in this place, in the, in the marriages you've given us, the families you've planted us, the jobs that we're working, the relationships that we're in, the children we're raising, the countless scenarios. Will you stretch out your hand? Jesus, will you come on the scene? Will you heal and work mighty miracles and signs and wonders of redemption? And give us boldness that we would stay. And speak of the things that we've seen and heard. Lord, freely we have received your love, your acceptance, your forgiveness, your friendship. And we're your bride. You marry us. You choose us. And so, Lord, we ask that we would give the very things we've received. Give us boldness. Holy Spirit, fill us again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys would like some prayer, the prayer servant team would love to pray with you for any reason. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. And may he give you shalom. Love you guys.